and welcome back to another Tap Talks HR podcast. And this one's going to be slightly different because today I'm looking at certain podcasts I've done over the last two, two and a half years and pulling clips from each of them, from each of my guests to bring together around one topic on hybrid working. Hybrid working is something that we've been really struggling to to grapple with in recent months and we've heard from many different people in public sector and private sector about how they're trying to get people to come back to the office and get those benefits of being back in the office along with the benefits of actual remote working due to a lack of commuting time etc. So today I've got three clips for you from very different people. The first clip is by Wayne Clark a leadership expert and founder of the Global Growth Institute. The second clip is from Aaron O'Connor, an anthropologist at University College London. And the third and final clip is by our own Andy Roberts, the senior leadership consultant from here at Tap Solutions. So first, let's turn to Wayne. And Wayne was talking about the challenges of remote leadership, a topic that he's been asked about so much in recent months. And I asked Wayne, what can we do about this area of hybrid working as a line manager or as a HR leader to get better at leading hybrid teams in the coming months and into the future? So let's listen to Wayne. I take my inspiration on many things from an, it's an organization that I, anyone who knows me is probably sick to death of me talking about them, but I continue because I've not yet met yet an organization better, I think. But Red Carnation Hotels is an organization I speak a lot about because they achieved uh, the second position on the Sunday Times Best Companies list. But I think, you know, in a way even more impressive, if you believe that there is this link between engagement, service delivery and profitability, this sort of old series chain of, of value creation, I mean, this is the perfect manifestation of it. They've got this ultra high engagement score. If you look at TripAdvisor in London, there's around a thousand or so hotels on TripAdvisor in London, and they have the number one, two, and three spots on TripAdvisor. It's remarkable. No other hotelier has ever done it. They've achieved the number one spot and held that for years. It's, it's kind of impossible to do that. I'm not exposing any of their secrets, and I've known and worked with them for a number of years, but I guess what I've been doing is a lot of trying to understand why it works so well. Especially in a sector where if you imagine the reality of you're doing, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day on your feet for not much money in this industry. Uh, and then you've got an organization who has in a way the same job types, but is able to engage people so much um, differently, so much more differently than any other similar type of organization. The one thing that seems to be true of how they engage with their staff and also how they engage with their guests or customers is that it's just this deep. Um, empathic approach to it. So really wanting to understand what makes you tick and learning about your preferences. Now, this is why, like him or hate him, you know, whether you believe you should be spending a few billion dollars going up in a certain shaped rocket, but you know, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, you know, the business he's created with Amazon, you know, as, as far as I understand what they understand about you, they understand more about you than a psychologist would because they've got such a detailed knowledge through their technology and the way that they're able to sort of stitch all that together with AI of your behavior. So they're understanding what you do intimately, probably before you even know what you're gonna do next themselves. And this is what we've seen tech enable. And you can take it all the way back in a non-tech world if you don't have that sort of money, but this is all about investing the time and energy to really understand what makes people tick. And in a way, what we now need to do is give you what you need, because that's fair. And this is the deal. It's a, you know, it's a relationship. 
and it's a compromise in many cases. You need to get something out of this relationship and I want something out of this relationship. And I think that, you know, that's the ultimate going all the way back to the sort of you know, adult, adult relationship many organizations are interested in. So I think from the organization's point of view and HR's point of view, there's something here about really rethinking all of this. You know, maybe forget everything that's gone in the past. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, Nancy, but I look at, like, if I'm looking at stuff on YouTube, if it says pre-March 2020, I'm actually not interested to watch it because it's like content that was created in a Narnia world that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So I find like this is the new reality. Anything before is kind of like make-believe now. So we're in this new world. And I think we should, you know, as a HR team, as a HR leader, or even as a CEO, we should rethink the way that we're doing this. Rethink, and, and if, if your answer is after rethinking it, it's absolutely spot on, brilliant, perfect, then great. But I suspect there's probably more to do. That's one side of it. The other side of it is I think that this offers an opportunity for HR specifically to really power themselves up as if this was like, I'm showing my age now, but this is like Mario, right? <laughs> Maybe eating the mushrooms is a bad analogy, but you're about to face Bowser, the big boss, the final yeah, boss, I'm right? There. <laughs> you're there. But you know, there's something here to empower or power up the HR community, which is that you're probably one of the only functions or disciplines in an organization that's got the ability to get across the entire organization. So you've got like freedom of movement and being able to understand all of that. And, and I think what I would love to do if I was in a HR role right now, I would be doing a couple of things. One is I would be intimately, in the same way that I'm trying to understand the individuals, is I'd really try and get my head across the entire organization and understand it. In a way, I want to understand it better than the way the CEO does. I want to be able to talk to the CEO in a way that challenges his or her thinking about what's going on in this organization, because I understand it so well. You cannot shake me on what I understand about this organization. One side of it. The other side of it is I want to understand who we serve, that whether, whether you're a charity, an NGO, government organization, you know, listed stock market business. You know, I would want to understand what's going on with our customers in a way better than uh, even the way our customers understand what's going on. If you could put yourself into that position as a HR person, you are probably the most invaluable HR person in the room, and you're now able to challenge your leadership team in a way that you probably never could. I always like talking to Wayne Clark because I really think he brings some action on orientated thinking into whatever he's talking about around leadership. And there, there are some real specific stuff that HR leaders and line managers can be thinking about. And I do like the idea of the, looking at the social media pre-March 2020 and thinking of it as a Narnia world. I do think there are some great pieces of academic research and rigor and tools and theories that are still relevant in 2022 around the worlds of engagement, around motivation, having empathy, etc. But I think it's right. A lot of the commentary has just become redundant because actually the way we are looking at the world right here, right now is so different to 2019 and before. So let's move on now to Aaron O'Connor the anthropologist at UCL. And Aaron did some great research into a group of people who had suddenly had to work remotely compared to working full-time face-to-face. And she did an ethnographic piece of research around what these people were really feeling and what it really meant to go to a remote working. And it's a really interesting angle here about what an anthropologist does and how deep they go into trying to understand the real emotions behind what people are thinking. Let's have a listen now to Aaron. 
The research and the report we produced, you know, brought up so many fascinating insights. Um, and if you're happy for me to, I'm just going to kind of illustrate some of these by talking you through an ethnographic example, because that is exactly what anthropologists do. We, we show rather than tell. Um, and, and that's very important because I could send, give you a whole list of basic keywords and insights, but I don't think they would really sink in with the listener um, if I didn't paint, paint them a picture of what it really means to work remotely for the, for the people I, I did this project with. So um, what this shift um, to working from home has brought to light for some employees, um, and this is true at all levels of seniority, um, is the importance of seeing others and being seen by others. Um, and to kind of help make sense of what I've just said, I'm going to give you a kind of brief example that describes the experience of several people who had very similar experiences. And I'm going to just group them together here <clears throat> and call them Sarah. Um, so uh, once everyone had moved, shifted to working from home in this team of people I, I did the research with, Sarah um, increasingly began to feel removed uh, from her work. And she had this growing sense that she was losing the kind of backstory to some of the work that she was responsible for. Back in the office before the pandemic, Sarah could literally see when her line manager walked in um, into a meeting with other seniors, for example, um, and closed the door, of course, and therefore she wouldn't have heard the rest. But she saw people meeting, she saw who was in rooms together, and, and that could help her figure out what kind of level the conversation was at. And then, of course, she could also kind of ask around to get tidbits of information um, about what these conversations may have been about. And this wasn't gossip. Um, this is simply part of the office ecosystem that we're all used to being a part of um, before we had to move to remote work. Um, and her team's lead, Sarah's team lead, would also often stand around people's desks, um, have these kind of informal chats, ask questions, share pieces of information about things that are going on at large in the organization, um, and also have back and forth conversations with the line manager who, worked, uh, who Sarah worked for. Um, and these conversations likely weren't about anything incredibly important, but it was a form of contact that now in hindsight was actually very important to Sarah and, and the rest of her team. Um, since March, since the move to working remotely, Sarah knows that her line manager, for example, has weekly video meetings with their team lead, um, but she has absolutely no idea what's being discussed. And these meetings are often actually more frequent than they used to be before the pandemic. Um, because there's just this incredible, with, with working remotely, people are having to formalize and schedule their meetings much more than ever before, because that's the only way in which they have any contact with one another. Um, and so not only does Sarah know that her, her line manager meets with their team lead more often than before, she doesn't know what's being said. Um, and the only pieces of information that, uh, that her line manager feeds down directly to Sarah and her colleagues are those pieces that are considered need to know. Um, so even for members of staff like Sarah, who were never part of um, these kind of high level meetings or decisions, she suddenly feels more cut off um, from the work that she's responsible for. 
um, when changes in her workplace or work processes were decided um, in the past before the pandemic, she often overheard discussions about these uh, before they were made. And perhaps she would even have the opportunity to, um, to share her thoughts on these changes with her line manager. Now though, uh, she often only hears about changes as and when she's asked to implement them. Um, once it's basically too late for her to have any input at all on these changes. And so this sharing of information on a kind of need to know basis is something that came up time and again across lots of different contexts in the workplace. Um, so there's a lot to unpack in that example. Um, and it is one that I've heard time and again um, with lots of different people. And I just wanna point out two, two core things that really stand out in this example. And they are two of the kind of insights that we developed um, in our report. So the ability, the ability to feel connected in the workplace requires people to see and be seen by others, which is what I opened with at the beginning of this. So people's ability to see and be seen while working remotely has become more hierarchy dependent than ever before. And let me explain what I mean by this. So as you can see in this example with Sarah, more junior people like her have become more visible to their seniors because their outputs and targets are being closely followed and measured. But junior staff like Sarah um, see less of other junior staff like themselves, see less of their friends and colleagues, unless they have to interact directly with one another on a specific piece of work. On the other hand, more senior staff have become less visible to the teams they manage um, as their work and decisions only trickle down on that kind of need to know basis. At the same time, seniors often see more of one another um, than before the pandemic because they are having more of these regular scheduled meetings online. So what we see is kind of a very hierarchy dependent way in which people are able to connect with one another. Seniors have, um, senior staff have become better connected with one another, which is of course fantastic, but junior staff do sometimes feel more cut off from one another and feel that they're only seen by their seniors in a particular, through a particular lens. So that's kind of one of the first um, insights, um, which is basically paying attention to the over solidification of hierarchies and the consequences of this. Um, the second one is really um, the fact that our interactions in the workplace have become a lot more task oriented. Um, and so the foundations of people's relationships have really thinned out. Um, whereas, you know, before people's interactions and their knowledge about the goings on in the office went far beyond their immediate job description. Um, today, when we're working remotely, um, these, th this kind of knowledge of one another and the work that we all do has become mostly just based on interactions that with people that we really have to have an interaction with. I think there was a really great explanation there from Aaron using the persona of Sarah to help us understand what our team members are going through when they had that big shock of moving to remote, which we're still feeling the after effects of now. And I like the concept of thinking about what we lose, that sense of loss by not having that face-to-face -face and ad hoc interaction that we had. 
the the sort of sharing of information on a need to know basis, which is a trap we fall into because we're so busy being busy as leaders that actually we forget there's a human at the other end and we can't rely on those chance passings in a corridor at the workplace to get those small interactions going. We need to build them in. So, and I also think that that point about the hierarchy element of the ability to be, to see and be seen being so important. And actually the fact as more senior leaders, we have much more interaction in our meetings and therefore we might forget that there are team members who are quite siloed, who don't get that human interaction with the rest of their team because they're very task focused. And actually the fact that the interactions that we do have with our people do seem to be very much task focused rather than people focused in a remote world. So let's move on now to our third and last clip. And this is our very own Andy Roberts from Tap Solutions. And myself and Andy were having a conversation about leading dispersed teams. So the type of remote, remote team that can vary on a day-to-day -day basis, some people being in the office, some people being remote. And I think this dispersed team leadership is very, very relevant for us at the moment. And we just had a bit of a discussion around a concept of a two-speed culture that maybe those who were in the office more were more likely to have more interactions, get those more artifacts and rituals going. And the culture might actually accelerate faster than those who are more remote and don't come into the office as much. So I turned to Andy and I asked Andy, what considerations did he think were really crucial if you're going to lead a dispersed team? And what could we really dial up and work on with our people? Here's Andy. There's definitely some behaviours around dispersed leadership that, that leaders can do that really help. Right? So as I think about this dispersed way of working, um, leaders have always been conduits of messages and of communication, but I think that really has to be raised across leaders, the ability to filter out from within and from outside of the organisation and let their team members know what's essential and what's important and try and reduce the noise down because I think there's just so much noise right now. So being a communication conduit is really one of those. Having that empathy and compassion for their people uh, is particularly important as well realizing not everybody is in the same situation i mean it's interesting i was running a workshop last week for a, a global aircraft manufacturing company and we were talking about you know a lot of people had similar experiences of covid19 and remote working and dispersed working but everybody's experience is unique you know introvert extrovert with family without family loss of loved ones, loss of colleagues, wanting to be with people. Everyone has got a unique way of, of being at the moment. So empathy and compassion sits up there really high, high in that area of dispersed leadership. At the same time, the leaders have got to be really good role models, right? You've got to be able to let people know what you're expecting of them and show it yourself. So you know, while you can't see walking the talk, you really have to Zoom or Microsoft Teams the walk fundamentally and with that you need to be in a place of positiveness and I'm not saying everything's going to be great and fantastic but more a bounded optimism where we're realistically positive about the future recognizing times might be hard and might be difficult but having a sense of there is a tunnel and there is a light and we can certainly get past it and it actually reminds me of Rafa Nadal's finishing statements yesterday at uh, Roland Garros, uh, which he won for the 13th time. He says, you know, together we will get through this. And um, that's bounded optimism is very positive. 
So I think those are four things. You know, being a really good communication conduit, having some empathy and compassion, being a role model, and being positive and having that bounded optimism are four things I think would really make the difference. I hope you'll agree that there are some great ideas there from Andy around certain leadership behaviours that we can dial up in our leaders to really get some traction around motivation and engagement for our dispersed and hybrid teams. And if you want to learn more about dispersed team leadership, you can always go to our website at tapsolutions.com and download our white paper on the subject. But that's about it for now. I hope you enjoyed the three speakers that I brought together today under this compilation podcast around hybrid teams. We'll be back soon with more Tap Talks HR podcasts and more guests that we can explore the world of HR. But we'll see you soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah,